Welcome to the Success Inspired Podcast, a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential. And now here is your host, Vid Muller. Hello, everybody. My guest today is founder and CEO at Fit Summit, which is a thought leadership and networking platform for Asia Pacific health, fitness and wellness industry. Among many other things, also, he has an extensive experience working alongside companies to connect them to global industry leaders and their partners in business, finance, investment, technology, and government. Please welcome to the show, Ross Campbell. Thank you, Vit. Absolute pleasure being here. Look forward to having a great discussion. Great to have you here on the show, Ross. Now, I've introduced you a little bit, but for the listeners, you're doing quite a lot of things. So keen to unpack just a little bit of a, a quick bio about yourself, and then we'll jump into some questions. Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. Um, my early career started in events. I used to do large-scale CEO-level events, uh, looking at the investment in sectors. Uh, I used to work in the big, bad, scary world of oil and gas, huge marketplace, um, really fascinating, but very little purpose for me. So we built a company, we sold the company, and then I moved into fitness. And um, for all my sins, I started a gym, uh, a mixed martial art gym here in Singapore. It still exists today and it does well, but I realized quite quickly I'm not an operator. It's not quite where I am. my skill set lies. My skill set lies more than B2B. And um, in meeting all the gym owners across Singapore, we came up with an idea for building a community, a simple community that talked about the business, finance and investment of fitness across the region. And that was the catalyst for Fit Summit. And we've grown exponentially since. Wow. And like I said, I mean, community is important, especially when you have like-minded people and, and it's, you know, people in a similar business helping each other. It's, it's only to everyone's benefit, isn't it? Well, you've built your own community here with this podcast fit. So, I mean, you've obviously, it's not easy to do. It's persistence, it's quality content, it's the right people and making sure they've, they've got their, their buy-in. And I think for us, we had a niche in the marketplace in Asia Pacific. There was no such community. There was no such authority that was trying to deliver the connectivity, that was trying to deliver that community. And so gym owners and business owners were too busy looking after their own business to really connect to other business owners. And I think once we started to realize the power that had and the power that this connectivity and community had, my word, it is unbelievable once you start talking to some other like-minded professionals. A little bit different in Australia. And of course, I know you guys have done a much better job of us here in Asia. You've got some established associations and communities but again that comes down to people like you putting in the effort to actually drive this community and make sure it still exists mm, you're absolutely right and you've touched on podcasts the same thing right i mean i started this thing about six months ago seven months ago something like that and it is like you said it is being in touch with other podcasters being part of the community whatever whatever community is whether it's talking about fitness or podcasting it is that like I say, you know, you're, you're only as good as, as, as people that you surround yourself with, right? So now Fit, Fit Summit, that is incredible event, I must say. I didn't know about it until earlier this year. Uh, one, of my, one of my coaches told me about it because she works for Les Mills and she told me about this thing. And like she said, you've got to check it out. So I went, I think it was one of the first ones, which was free at the time. So I, I went to that one and I must say, I was, um, I was very impressed how it's been, how it's been organized. Um, for those guys listening, <clears throat> what we're talking about is a, is a completely online um, convention 
Think about a big convention center that you go to and you've got all the stalls, all the, all the sponsors stall, uh, stall, um, stalls, you said stalls. The, um, um, and, you know, stage events, speakers, discussions, but it's all done virtually. And um, yeah, I must say I was very impressed. So where are we now going forward now? You've done another three scenes, haven't you? Yeah, in, in total, we've done six now. The first four were testing the water, if I'm honest with you. I think like a lot of the operators that, you know, you yourself is one of them, that, and, you know, getting this transitional step to become a virtual operator is not an easy task. Let's be mm. honest, right? I think you know, anyone that's watching this that's had a fitness and wellness business, certainly that's tried to transition into the virtual world, hasn't been an easy last few months. And but I think for those, and again, we draw parallels to this from the fitness world, to those that have adopted early, they've really invested well, but they've also tried to have a purpose as to what their virtual offering is. We're not trying to replicate the wheel. We're trying to do something else that we believe our network and our community wants. So yeah, we're six down. We've got another one to go in the year and then thankfully a break. Uh, but then again, there's this new transition that we're going to go into, which is going to become the hybrid model, which just like any fitness operator is, how do you combine both the world of bricks and mortar and the world of virtual to become a hybrid membership, hybrid subscription offering? That's the next transition that actually starts in December. So we've had a really good 2020 in terms of uh, building new capability. Financially, look, we're not going to lie, it's been a terrible year financially. But it doesn't matter. We are healthy. We're happy. We're still making an impact on our community. And we've got a chance now to build something bigger and better on the other side. And we're going to grab that opportunity. And you had some amazing speakers as well. You've had top CEOs of top biggest brands in the fitness industry from both manufacturers. Um, you had what program uh, providers like Les Mills and some of the other ones, haven't you? We're very blessed. I mean, the same as you, that we happen to have a, a value proposition like your podcast where people are talking business and there's a lot of interest in people learning today about the business of fitness and wellness. And you must have saw that yourself. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not easy to secure speakers if you're trying to bring them on to perhaps an educational summit or an educational um, platform. However, if you're talking to them about the business, sorry, the, the future of their business, the future of our industry, that's really a pool. I mean, a question to you must be, how have, how have you managed to successfully get so many good people onto your platform? Because I know firsthand it's not easy. So what's your secret? I don't know, but I must say <laughs> I haven't really run in any troubles, so I don't know. Um, let's see. I've always been into networking, so I know networking. It's you know, I've always enjoyed having conversations, meeting new people, getting to know you know their side of the story, you know, different businesses, different industries as well. It's just something that I like to, you know, because it kind of op opens up your eyes a little bit, and you know, things that you hear about what people do at a different industry. Oftentimes, you can then bring it to your own industry. So I really enjoyed meeting people. Um, from the get-go, you know, since I arrived to Australia, I started as a PT and I sort of worked my way up. Uh, but throughout that whole journey, I've always been interested in, I mean, also personal development. So going to different things like, you know, Tony Robbins and that. You meet a lot of people there, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of positive and uh, inspired people there. Uh, but then also uh, regular business networking is what I've enjoyed doing. So I've been a member of, you know, a BNI, which is the global uh, business network network. Uh, recently, I've been a member. Uh, I am still a member of another organization here in Canberra, which is actually more of an Australia-wide 
uh, now uh, called BX Networking. So I've met, uh, you know, we, we actually have regular Zoom meetings now. So that's been pretty good. Um, the other avenue for me, I guess, would have been LinkedIn, where I might either outreach, but I must say I haven't been doing as much outreach as I thought I would have to. So, which has been a nice surprise. I actually have, and now as more and more episodes are being released, people actually outreach to me asking, you know, and with the right, you know, with the right introduction, um, they gain my attention and then we have a chat. So it's been really good. But another one that's been super effective for me, which is a, a big shout out to Mark Shaw. Um, he had a platform called um, um, Spotaguest a website called Spotaguest, which unfortunately shut down about two months back. But it was a free platform for all podcasters and podcastees, uh, podcast guests looking to be on the podcast. And so I did put up, and that was very early when I started, I put a post and I said, you know, I'm doing this. Um, and, you know, I, I put a clear description of, uh, of what, I'm what I'm going with, like where I'm going with this podcast and who would be the ideal guest. And I actually got a lot of interest from it. Actually a lot, like my 30, 40 people. And so from that, I've sort of obviously picked and choose. That's been great. Obviously, platforms shut down, but now I must say there is more and more emerging. This podcasting thing, I would say this year has skyrocketed. Um, I actually, uh, I, I said to myself, I wish I would have done it, you know, two years ago. I've been thinking about doing podcasts for so long. And now finally, when I get my ass off the couch to to do it, a lot of other people want to do it, which is great, which is great for the podcasting community and we can all learn from one another. But yeah, it's been a really good journey. Yeah, look, I, I can, congratulations to you. It's, I think you've got to put yourself out there. And I think that's never been as apparent as through COVID. And, you know, I know there's lots of things that this crisis has brought up, but one of the kind of key things I don't think people have quite considered yet is people are used to meeting people in bars and restaurants and clubs and pubs and networking conferences and networking associations and trade shows, et cetera. Now, if you take a whole year of that connectivity out, not only for personal development, for business development, you know, how are businesses going to develop the pipeline for the future? And that's a real great area at the moment in time. And so, you know, we highly encourage people, even if they might not be, you know, digitally savvy or even com confident in some of the digital offerings, you've got to get yourself online. You've got to listen to these podcasts. You've got to get on online to these events, especially the ones that are interactive. Because I think at the moment in time, there's a lot of content that's push and there's very little interaction. And mm. I'm sure you've been on the same. There's thousands of webinars and hundreds of them are guilty in not having any interaction at all. There's no questions and answers. There's no chat box. There's no way you can put in your LinkedIn URL for networking with other people. What, an, what a missed opportunity that is. Oh, I get why people are doing it, but it's, it's, for me, it's crazy. And so, look, I, I love what you guys are doing because this is an interactive show and, you know, people can, can easily reach out to you afterwards and reach out to me afterwards and we can continue conversations. And, and that is key. Absolutely. Now, for anybody listening to podcasts, here is what I enjoyed the most about podcasting. Firstly, obviously, it's the power of networking. So now we're going to have a quality conversation for an hour. How, how, often, how often do you actually get to speak to somebody for a full hour? We live in a, such a fast-paced society, right? And what I love about it is that I, I get a, a person that I may have not even spoken to, but sometimes, you know, most of the time we have a, a quick five minutes before these shows, before we book them. But quite often, not always, um, I have also guests like yourself that I haven't spoken to before. And so... It's this idea where I get to speak to a total stranger for the first time, knowing only what I, you know, got to find out online prior to that. 
but having a full one hour where we get to chat and getting to know each other, strengthen the relationship, and a lot of interesting um, opportunities in the future might come out of it. So that's number one. Number two for me is the power of networking uh, or of the power of uh, the exponential growth in terms of growing the sh- a podcast as a show from a business perspective. Because I looked at it, I'm like, this is actually uh, this is actually genius because every time I get a guest on, you have an audience, I have an audience, you know, in terms of the size of the audience, if we compare it, might be different, but that's okay. But, you know, when this gets pr- promoted, when it gets released, um, typically the guests will share it. I will share it in front of my audience. They will share it in front of their audience. So now I'm getting in front of a whole bunch of new people, as well as my guests getting in front of a whole bunch of people out of my own network here in Australia. And so that also then helps everybody. And I guess it helps also finding new guests as well because people hear it. And so, yeah, it's just a, a genius platform. I mean, a lot of people say, um, you know, attention spam. A lot of people are now, you know, don't have time. Everything has to be quick, 30 seconds videos and all that, which is true to a certain extent. But then you also look at, um, you know, long form type of shows like Joe Rogan. He's got three hour shows. So, I mean, there is something to it too. Yeah, look, Joe Rogan, big fan of his. Tim Ferriss, another one that enjoys long-form conversations. Um, I know the guys at Impact Theory, I mean, they're doing maybe slightly more 45-minute, um, 60-minute um, sessions, but, you know, Tom Bilyeu does a does a fantastic job on there. And, you know, coming back to your point of, you know, it is, it is tough today because people at the moment in time, they are feeling a lot of Zoom fatigue, you know, mm-hmm. and I think people, when they go on a, on a business call, they're a little bit reluctant sometimes to take that opportunity to meet somebody. But I think, you know, it's, it's always good to realize that there's two types of calls. There's an introduction call and then there's a follow-up sales call if it's required. And I think some people think in the first call, it's automatically about business. Now, I completely understand that. And as a sales guy, I completely get the need to try and transition the conversation to that point as quickly as you can. But the reality is if you filled your day half with sales calls and just half with good conversations like this, your day would be wonderfully better. You know, it would be infinitely better if you took the pressure off the fact that every call you had to make didn't have to end up with a number. Uh, and look, so that, I've did that across my whole last six months. And again, just meeting people like yourself, uh, Vit, and having conversations about business, about family, about life, you know, that's great. I mean, that absolutely works for me. Um, you know, if there's a synergy there, we'll find it. If there's a business opportunity there, we'll explore it. But the reality is I'm having great conversations and I couldn't wish for anything better. Mm. And back to your point about the salespeople, I guess also depends on how, how, how high the ticket, ticket value of what they're trying to sell it is, right? If it's something that is, uh, you know, might be like a something two-digit mark price, then yeah, you probably want to try and sell something. In that. But if you're, if you're trying to sell a big deal, big corporate deal, like trying to, trying to lock down some big you know, deal, that is, a, that is a relationship that you need to invest a couple of Zoom calls at least. And that first one should be about building that report because as we know, people buy from people who they know, like, and trust, right? Well, look, there's an interesting dynamic here at play. And the interesting dynamic is there's a term called business development. And then there's also a term called uh, relationship management. Now, technically, sales is business development and you pass it on to relationship manager. But what you're really trying to do across times like this is relationship development. 
And so it's actually not about necessarily business development. It's about relationship development. Relationship management comes after the fact of relationship development. And again, that's something we all have to start paying more attention to. How are we developing the relationships to a point where they are either fulfilling um, in a commercial sense, fulfilling in a spiritual, physical, mental sense, wherever that may be, but you have to develop the relationship before you manage it. Mm, absolutely. And back to um, casing point fit summit right i mean you wouldn't have been able to have so many amazing top ceo level executives presenting at your at your events if you obviously haven't built some relationship then prior to that if you didn't reach out right we we play on the basis of, of goodwill capital and again i can't underestimate i can't underscore the importance of goodwill capital Goodwill capital you can generate by doing small good deeds to many, many people. And this collection of IOUs, depending upon when you cash them in and for what, you know, you have to accrue them. And so the act of giving generously, indefinitely, is how you build up goodwill capital. And goodwill capital is the foundation to any good community. And so if you really want a community, you have to develop a goodwill capital across that. And so, for example, I could do a favor for, for person A, person A introduced me to person B, I do a favor for person B, person B introduced me to person C, and so on and so on and so forth. And again, you can amplify and extrapolate that to hundreds and thousands of people across the network. That's how you build it. And then you build a real sense of purpose because people are already bought into you. You get a real sense of belonging. Um, but again, this is how you manage to successfully build communities. We are a community. I mean, we happen to do events, yeah? And we happen to produce thought leadership and we happen to do introductions for, for business development. But at our core, you know, we are, we are a community, we are a network. And we build that and just so happens that whatever we do to service their needs in whatever form or fashion, wherever across the world, that is how we manage to keep this community self-healing. Absolutely. Now, speaking of communities, um, let's talk about fitness community as a, as a whole, as a global fitness community. Um, now, you know, with, with what's been going on this year, what do you see? Um, and I'm trying to refer more towards the point of, you know, uh, uh, pivoting this year because of the COVID. Um, obviously, initially, it was uh, something that everybody had to go through quickly but now we've been doing it for a few months what type of interesting trends do you see emerging from the online fitness um, sector yeah great question i mean the trends have, have definitely shifted um you know let, let's have a look at when you know when we first started out and there was a huge deluge of people doing either on-demand, um, subscription on-demand, pay-as-you-go on-demand. There was a plethora of freemium projects, or products, products sorry, uh, whether it was Instagram, uh, Facebook Live, Zoom, you name it. I think that was a trend that's thankfully been bucked. And so I think in the past few months, we've seen a combined effort by operators. And whether it has been cognitively or not, to move away from offering free product. And so I think there are still free product in the marketplace in terms of virtual fitness classes. But the reality is that the top virtual fitness classes, there's no way that you're gonna get them online for free. They are now mm. part of a package. So we are seeing the reduction in high quality freemium projects, products, um, and they are now being monetized you know, whether that is into a standalone membership, 
um, whether that is into a hybrid membership, um, whatever that may be, it does depend on the country. And I think what we are seeing with some of the, the virtual demand, virtual demand differs country by country, obviously, and it differs for a number of reasons, you know, demographically and infrastructure wise, etc. But one of the key things that's quite interesting to note is the recovery of a given country um, to COVID and the usage rates of gyms now as that part of um, the market opens up. So let's take New Zealand, for example, and let's take Brunei and also uh, China. Now, there was a huge spike in demand for virtual uh, virtual class usage across those, just like every other country. Each of those countries has now recovered almost fully from the COVID virus. Their gyms are open and their usage rates are back, if not pre-COVID or near COVID levels. Now, as a result of that, there's naturally been a drop in the spike in terms of virtual uh, demand from where it was perhaps in May, August, uh, sorry, May, April and uh, March before then. So there is that drop off in virtual. And what's going to be interesting to see from those countries in the next three or four months is does virtual plateau at perhaps 100% of what it was? Does it decrease again down to 50% increase in what it was or does it vanish altogether? Now, again, we don't know that, but that's an interesting trend to look out for. It's not something we're going to find in Australia yet. It's not something we're going to find in, in hard hit countries like America where gyms aren't open, there's, there's operating capacity restrictions, there's a negative consumer confidence, there's a negative government confidence in gyms. And so as a result, virtual demand has dropped off its peaks, but it has plateaued at a relatively high rate. The difference is what's going to happen in the next 12 months. So that's a really interesting usage dynamic. What has been seen is money. You know, there's money. There's money flowing into this sector like there has never flown into this sector before. You know, we've just done a virtual fitness uh, slide deck on our partners at Wexer and Technogym and Ustream and Intellivideo and you name it. And all of their usage rates, uh, memberships rates, uh, customer buy rates, um, time on platform, number of classes have soared exponentially in 2020. The reality is what's gonna happen in 2021, What's, next, what's the next iteration of their, pro, their product? So for me, it's a fascinating market, but there's a lot of money coming in now from every major player. And whether you're Les Mills, whether you're Fitness First, whether you're FLG Group, everybody who's a sizable company is now looking at a significantly high monetized content strategy. Absolutely. Now, not just big fitness players, right? There was an announcement. I mean, you must have saw F45. I mean, F45 done very well. They they moved really well into the virtual space and are doing great, great job they've done. I and mean, obviously you must have, have benefited from that one. What are your thoughts? I mean, you've obviously seen these live. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Not just on F45, but some of the products that you're seeing. Yeah, so from F45, from the experience of F45, I've, I've experienced that live, had the experience of transitioning. Um, I saw it firsthand because me and my partner, we actually went to Europe to, to for my granddad's 80th birthday in February. And we we saw the uh, we saw the news while we were there about, you know, Australia selling our toilet paper, but there was no cases in Australia at the time. Uh, it was all just emerging. It was just all just sort of pepper pointing through the numbers a little bit. But we were in Czech Republic and we were there only for two weeks. The first week when we arrived there, not even on the plane, uh, the stewardess had masks, right? So we arrived in Czech Republic. The second week is when it started to go like 
all spiking up in Czech Republic. They started to close lots of things, culture and theaters and everything. And we um, we had a flight um, originally scheduled through South Korea during their holidays, and there was just two weeks stay. Um, Australia shut the the route from South Korea, so we could no longer go through that airline. Um, so anyway, long story short, we barely made it back because uh, the following day they they shut the border. The Czech Republic shut the the flights, um, so we just made it through an alternate route through Dubai, and we we got back to Australia. So when we arrived back to Australia. Um, I went back to work and I said to the to the owners of our studio, I said to them, guys, uh, we need to um, start preparing because I've just been like I've just you know it's there's it's a different thing when you see the news to when you really experience the the uptrend because um, you can really feel it like it's gonna hit Australia soon and it did and so I said to them, look, we we really need to start looking at. Um, quick alternative what can we do so we already started thinking about zoom classes back then before it even hit australia and because of that we already put a plan in place and when uh, prime minister scott morrison announced it on sunday we already have everything in place and we launched the following day from monday um, we switched off all the in-studio in classes we launched all the zoom classes um had a really good system as well but without going into too much detail um so we actually were able to quickly transition just by our own means as a as an individual studio, but then what was really nice to see was F45 as a whole network as a as a franchise. They very quickly acted on as well, and they kept everybody in the loop. They started to really quickly develop this whole. Um, uh, uh, they started very quickly productizing it and, and providing us with lots of resources and whole the whole marketing around it. So first thing they did is, um, they um, they recommended pricing for the zoom classes they launched on demand very very quickly and the third thing which they did really well is is they launched um uh, equipment offering which members could purchase for their own house which was like a cool little like a stand with dumbbells and kettlebells and everything in it was like a little a golf wheelie thing um so yeah that was that was was excellent um what we've seen is we've been able to recover about 50% of our membership to Zoom, which helped cover you know some of our operational costs, which would have been that sort of the second half of March, um, April, June, and, and sort of uh, half July. Now, about that point is when we were able to reopen again. So when we reopened, we've seen a big demand of um, – well, it was firstly – not as much, but then the second week of our opening, we saw a massive demand of members wanting to come back to the studio. And and while that was growing, and it just keeps growing actually, um, we're now almost recovered to where we were before we shut down. We've also seen on the same at the same time, we've also seen a decrease in the demand for the Zoom classes. So that's what we've seen. Yeah, that's not surprising, Vet, and I think that's a really interesting trend. How how far it falls, you know, once government and co- and consumer confidence is back up. Is, is very interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong, virtual is absolutely here to stay. You know, let's be, there's no ways about it. But the reality is, it's not a market that everyone can play in. And mm. as the quality of the content goes higher, and as it's more globally accessible, you know, the ability for especially small to mid-sized enterprises 
to successfully and economically build that kind of capability into their business becomes ever more difficult. And so we do start to see also a small trend of, you know, small to mid-sized enterprises really focus back into their, their customer on a bricks and mortar capacity. They might order more, um, more wellness, nutrition, meditation, alignment um, based services, but in terms of how they, how they work virtually, they're not going to invest too much money in a platform, certainly not in, a, in an on-demand content platform with a subscription basis. So yeah, look, a really interesting trend. And uh, you know, we want virtual to be part of the future because virtual is how we unlock the 10, sorry, the, the 90 or 80% of the population that doesn't go to gyms. You know, and this is a huge catalyst for us to bring those demographics um, and, and, and bring those geographies into our industry, which is so exciting. I mean, it really is. It's, it's phenomenally exciting, but we have to provide them with the products to do that. And so, you know, the ability to build virtual fitness classes that are digestible by the mass populations is interesting. We can't just all sit around and devise 45 minute hit programs. You know, if we wanted a really good 45 hit program, we go to F45. Um, but there has to be there has to be other offerings out there or else we're never going to target these populations that so need our help, especially through these times. Absolutely. And now back to the online stuff, what's also interesting is have you seen the announcement from Apple two weeks ago? Uh, actually, not two weeks ago. It was uh, last month when they've announced the new Apple Watch. Yes. When they've announced the new service, Apple Fitness. So that's it's, a, it's a beautiful service. And, you know, if you, there's a great presentation done by Brian O'Rourke, um, one of the, the thought leaders from the U.S. fitness market. He's a fantastic gent. He did a presentation recently about this whole strategy from Apple. And if you get a chance to watch it, I would encourage anyone uh, who's listening to this to watch it. It fits in entirely with their growth strategy. I mean, they have got a phenomenal growth trajectory in terms of where they have to get to in terms of revenue and in terms of market capitalization. And when you're looking down a barrel of what's the next industries that they're going to feed into, they are health, fitness, and medicine. And so these are the markets that you provide them with billions of dollars of additional revenue potential going forward. So look, it's a no brainer for them to get involved. We've saw obviously people like Google uh, coming into the mix as well. So I know Google, Amazon coming into the mix. Uh, you've also got uh, Google through Fitbit, um, which will be a really interesting acquisition when it clears from the SEC. So there's a whole range of these companies now that make no mistake about it. They understand the potential size of the market post-COVID that health and wellness will develop. It will be the number one biggest industry in the world, which is, again, incredibly beneficial for everyone that's involved in this, as long as you've got your niche and as long as you can deliver the service. And if you can, then it's a great industry to be in for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. My team are very pleased to be here. You know, I think for yourself, Vit, obviously you're going to get an incredible number of guests coming on here from probably an even wider part of the ecosystem, technology, healthcare, medicine, you know, people that perhaps you and I never thought we talked to two years ago are yeah. going to be the people that we talk to now on a week to week basis. Yeah, absolutely. And back to that, back to that point of, of, of Apple and the emergence of these uh, big tech companies now uh, jumping into health and fitness and wellness. That is going to be also interesting in how uh, smaller providers who, you know, solo trainers who have these online programs, how they will be 
able to continue to compete with big giant like Apple. Because I mean, I must say myself personally, you know, I've been looking at how I can transition my old uh, personal training business that I used to run for about eight years to to move it online. I've been this year, you know, you know, looking at launching a few things. I've launched uh, one little program earlier this year, but then I sort of put it on hold. Uh, mainly because I've been busy with other things in this podcast, but also I was planning to do something, but then this Apple announcement hit and I'm like, wow, um, look, it comes down to being, being realistic, you know, like do I have something that I can offer that is going to be competitive enough if, if against big giant like that. And with the time that I have available, probably not. So I made a decision not to worry about it at the moment because I'm just sort of looking at that. I'm like, wow. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be interesting. Maybe, like you said, maybe maybe the avenue is where you really have to focus on niche and even further deep down and, and not just a, what we perceive as niche, but it might have to go even more niche <laughs> in order to be uh, uh, have that point of difference. The, the big interesting point will be this will prove how close you are to your customers. I mean, that's the one big question this will answer. And if right. you're not close to your customers, then they will try everywhere else in the world before they reboot with yourself. And so, again, you know, this relationship development, relationship management, it's important in any relationship, whether it's, you know, a, a B2B client or a B2C client. And again, that will become fully, fully evident. Apple will be a game changer at opening up the industry for the health, fitness and wellness industry. It's our own responsibility to take the opportunity as best we can. And if we're not close to our customers and we don't have a good value proposition and, our, and our, there's no brand affinity or culture or value proposition or measurement in which people can actually understand, you know, the benefit they have in joining you as a personal trainer or a group fitness class, then there are plenty of other people that offer that. So mm. you're going to lose out. So this is a time for us to transform as an industry. It's a time to us to transform as businesses. Um, and if we don't do it, we are going to be sorely left behind. And again, you know, I'll, I'll talk about F45 because, of course, you know it well. F45 have done a very, very good job at always engaging our community. And I, I saw the recent announcement by F45 about the the reopening videos that they were having some uh, the competition internally where studios could actually deliver a 60 minutes video. And that video was about them reopening their studios. Now, it was launched in Singapore. And so there was about um, 30, I think, studios that took part in it. And what ended up happening was F45 had 30 studios independently produce a minute-long video about reopening. But all of those videos, every single one had community, that had energy, that had positivity. And if I put that in front of my member, my member would be like, oh, my God, do you know what? Either I'm back or I cannot wait to get back to that gym because they know me, they appreciate me, I feel safe, I feel um, comfortable what they're doing, and I know that I, they want my business. And so like, I thought that was a stroke of genius from F45 um, and how they've delivered that competition, not only to gel their franchisees, but in turn how they gel their, their members into a global community. Bravo. 100%. It's a very, very clever campaign and it's actually closing in about two weeks. What they've done is they've also um, incentivized the whole thing. So not only it's a free free production because it's all done by individual franchisees, but then there's a voting, right? So there's a website where people can vote on the best video and that studio will then get, I think it's $10,000. 
uh, a cash prize. So it is genius. Uh, uh, there's, there's one from London, which is really like some of some of the productions are like really high. I mean, I looked at it, but yeah, it's it's a on on the point of a social media strategy. It is yeah, very clever, very clever, and just that's just show that, that the power of franchising, right? Having that a strong franchise and strong community. Uh, it's just they're going to have a thousand videos in a library and a thousand videos echoing across social media within the next couple of weeks. And then of course you're going to gloss that over with the winners and the best in marketplace. You know, I was alerted to it because a friend of mine who owns an F45 here in Singapore said, Hey, do you mind, you know, logging on and, and clicking vote? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't mind. And, I voted for it and then I thought, okay, I've helped you out, but then what are the other videos like? And no disrespect to her, her video was good. It was really good. Mm. My God, like you said, there was some phenomenal productions behind some of these. And I think she was sitting on a couple of hundred votes and the one in Singapore that rightfully was way out in front had something like one and a half thousand votes uh, last week. And it was a brilliant bit of production. But even if you don't, you know, win it, and even if it's, um, you know, just a couple of hundred votes, um, as a studio, I think it's still a great thing to do anyway. Because what you're doing, it's, 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 you're still fostering a stronger message within your own community, and if you get your own members engaged in the whole thing, that's still a great thing to do. It's the single best thing I've seen. And even if it wasn't publicly available, and even if it wasn't a competition, mm. you know, in terms of how do I get a positive message back to my community? That's how I do it. You know, I think there's a lot of talk at the moment in time about how customers are concerned to come back. And so there's lots of these sweeping videos with people disinfecting surfaces and disinfecting equipment and spraying and rubber gloves and Pyrex glass. And I get it. You know, I get it. But I don't go back to the gym for that. I go back to the gym because of the energy in the community that makes that makes me feel. And so any video, in my humble opinion, that looks at how you're going to bring members back to a gym, yeah, it does have to include for 5%, 10% the safety and, and, and operational practices. But get, get, it, get people excited about coming back to the gym. You know, mm. if I saw consistently safe messages that had energetic exercises coming in with the people I knew, with the trainers I loved, I'm in the gym the next day. Mm. You know, but if it's just a blank gym showing me how you're going to disinfect the gym, yeah, I get it. But where's the urgency and, and what's the real need for me to be there? So, look, um, like you said, great idea, F45. I'll be amazed if other gyms don't don't try that out. But of course, F45 have the scale to make it a competition. Hundred percent. Now we've just spoken to a lot about the industry and 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 other businesses, successful businesses like F45. But let's bring it back to uh, to your to your to your own um, story and to your personal and your business story. Uh, what has been the most challenging um, uh, thing to overcome in launching your? Because um, you've launched a few things, but let's talk about Fit Summit. What's been the most challenging with launching Fit Summit? Yeah, I, I suppose the, the most challenging pre-COVID was always the growth of business from zero to one. And I know that Peter uh, Thiel's got a great book on getting that business essentially from very, very low to a really good point where it can grow. Now, it might seem as if that is a, a simple step, but it's not a simple step. The first step to any business is really coming into a business, not just with an idea, but with a plan, with a gate, with a, with a roadmap to how you're gonna get to the next levels. 
And so you have to put in the foundations and you have to put work into the product and the team early to get them advised. So pre-COVID, I would always say it's actually starting up your business with a real roadmap to growth in the future. You know, and I think a lot of businesses start with the possibility of the business surviving and not losing much capital or, or certainly the business making enough money. But the reality is, what is your roadmap for growth? That is the biggest hurdle, I think, pre-COVID. The reality is, since pre-COVID, and again, I'm sure everyone's had the same difficulty, the biggest challenge has been you know, this, this idea of reformatting and remodeling and, and reforecasting your business into this new marketplace. And this new marketplace for us is a hybrid virtual marketplace. And so taking what are very quick accelerated steps down a virtual business pathway has been hugely challenging, especially in the wake of massive revenue losses and again, huge uncertainty and stress on the company and on, on your customers. So, you know, COVID has been the perfect storm, I think, for businesses to realign, reevaluate, reposition and, and look at longer term sustainable growth models. Um, but the challenges that have come from that have been like nothing I've ever seen before. Mm, absolutely. Now, tell us about those moments when you when you started to see success in in your in you know in what you do. How did it impact your lifestyle? In terms of when I started FitSummit or post COVID or pre COVID, uh, more like a just a broad overview of you know your business journey as a as a as a business owner as an entrepreneur when you started to see success in in all your um, efforts. Yeah, look, good question. Um, yeah, great question, actually. I think it's the discovery of purpose. And so I think as a business owner, what I didn't have in my early part of the career was purpose. And so the purpose I really wanted, really wanted to have is to make people happier and healthier. Now, that's the reason why I started the gym. You know, the reason I started the gym was because I was tired of the corporate life. I was tired of, you know, essentially moving money from pocket to pocket of everybody in the corporate world. I wanted to do something a little bit more beneficial, a little bit more fulfilling. That happened to come from making people happier and healthier. Not rocket science. Nurse, nurses do it. Doctors do it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I started a gym to try and start my way down it. But I realized that I'm not really a B2C guy. Again, we talked about this. I'm a B2B guy. So mm -hmm. how do I do that? So my purpose is actually finding my why on the back of helping businesses help people get happier and healthier. So I can influence the an industry level and make sure that more people are happier and healthier because we're delivering more investment into the marketplace. We are making businesses stronger. We're making sure that more employees are in those businesses. We're making sure that the customers have better journeys. We're making sure that the businesses grow faster. And so for all these benefits, I can try and influence that at an industry level. And then it, it waterfalls down into the consumer. And so for me, that's a massive why. That's our mission. Make people happier and healthier by influencing how the industry does business. Now, we can do it a lot better in Asia because Asia is a highly fragmented uh, and highly immature market. Australia is still a slightly fragmented market, especially away from the global community. But mm -hmm. of course, it's a much more established fitness market. But even then, the Australia fitness market is 40, 45 years old, maybe less. It's young. It's young, young industry. It's undercapitalized. Um, there are phenomenal people, including yourself, that in this industry. And you know, I, I, you know, I'll finish up just now just by saying, for us, you know, being involved with all these people working side by side with entrepreneurs and people whose mission is to make people happier and healthier. 
that is a fulfilling day and that is a fulfilling career my friend and so you know we have the the privilege of speaking to companies that are trying to do incredible things and we have you know the the honesty of where they're going and the challenges they're having and if we can impact them in any positive way that's a great great thing for us to do as a company um I'll, I'll, I'll put the spotlight back on you i mean you've got your own whys and reasons but i mean i'm not too sure if they're any different from those but you know what's your why what, what did what got you involved in fitness i've always been active i used to do break dance and you know been been very active as a kid so it was it was really easy choice for me but i didn't really uh pick that as a as a thing that I didn't really thought it'd be a career. I just picked it because I needed to study something that was the closest thing I would want to do. So, but you know what? I studied it within the first six months. It was my certificate three in fitness. I made amazing, you know, relationships, connections with my uh, tutors, my teachers, my peers, and I, I fell in love with the whole thing. You know, we, you know, we used to go to the gym for a practical and for a theory, and I, I loved everything about it. And I became like a sponge. I started consuming all the all the knowledge. And um, because I was quite engaged in the classes and everything, <clears throat> there was an offer um, that was put through um, to our college uh, from a gym. They were looking for a, a receptionist at a, one of the gyms. And um, one of the teachers came to me directly. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry. Okay, buddy. That's a good story. I mean, I, I, I can feel your pain on Scotland. Uh, I love my home country, but... It's a good time to leave it and it's a good time to come back. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me just finish that one. So, um, it came to me directly saying, look, we've got this offer and, you know, you've been one of our most engaging students. Um, so, we thought, you know, we wanted to just, you know, tell you directly and if, if you want to do it, you can start working there from tomorrow. And so, that kind of gave me, I felt very privileged that they that they thought of me and, and made me realize, okay, maybe I maybe I have some potential here. Maybe I, did, I didn't... I, I did, didn't cross my mind that I'm some sort of a, you know, a bright student or anything like that. But in their eyes, I was more engaged. I was, you know, I really loved it. So, um, and that was my entry. So I started working reception. Um, then I got my certificate three. So I started doing classes. Then naturally I wanted to stay in Australia for longer. So I extended my visa. And as a result of that, you also have to extend your study. So what do you pick? Well, what's the next thing? Certificate four, you know, study personal training. And then from that, just kept unraveling and I had to continue extending my visa, but I would always pick something <clears throat> that would make sense to me. So I would then study, you know, remedial massage, sports massage, and I started merging that. At that point, I was already uh, working for myself. I sort of transitioned from the gym because the gym actually, uh, um, what's the word, um, went out of business. Um, so I started working for myself, started doing boot camps, started doing personal training. And I started merging the aspect of um, uh, more of a holistic uh, approach where I would, you know, uh, check my you know, client's range of motion before the session, maybe do some subscap releases through my you know, knowledge of massage. And then I would train them through that new range of motion. And I started really starting to think more and more uh, technical and how I can deliver better and better service. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to um, I wanted to stay in Australia. So look, I just kept pursuing what I loved. I loved fitness, but I very much loved the process of everything around it—not just training, but also growing my brand, my business, learning everything I needed to do, changing the hats, right? Learning how to do websites, how to do my own marketing, how to do everything. And more and more, I did it. More and more, I enjoyed doing it. Um, and then I started to, when I worked in these gyms, I started to then look at things how 
how things are being run in businesses uh, at the gyms where I was uh, you know, paying my rent. And I was things that I would see and I was like, oh, why is it done like that? I could have, I would have done it differently. It could have been done, you know, why, why don't they do it like that? And I started telling people, you know, um, initially I was probably a bit annoying, annoying, but um, <laughs> uh, then I pitched it to one of the CEOs of the clubs, uh, club where I was working. And long story short, we then started negotiating some sort of agreement and they just kept unraveling. So um, then I saw a quite a good success 2016 i ended up having exclusivity at a big club for my personal training I ended up having trainers under me and massage therapists were working under me and then um it unraveled into taking on the whole facility taking on the management contract and yeah it's just been um just been a great journey i'm not going to go into the whole story because uh it's not about me today but uh, to answer that question that is basically that's basically how i got into the industry <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you follow the love for the industry, right? And again, I think there's a, there's lots of personal trainers. I hope if they're watching that, will 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 take great heart from that. You know, like you've got to follow your trade, you've got to learn your craft. But at some point, if you want to learn about the business of fitness, mm. the business of wellness, you you have to start changing how you digest the content that's in front of you. Yep. And and so you have to get more into sales and marketing and business podcasts. You have to stop attending educational summits and you have to start attending business summits. Yeah. And again, I think that's a great transition and a great career path for so, so many people. And if anyone that watches, you know, that again, Vit's a great example of that. I'm, I'm a good example of someone that, that's taken a, a B2C into a B2B role. And um, yeah, the options are there. You just have to apply yourself. Absolutely. I must certainly admit, while I no longer do personal training and I haven't done for about two years, um, I can see how I'm sort of transitioning to more and more, you know, from gym management of gyms to to now even thinking like the industry as a whole as a bigger picture, because ultimately, just like yourself, that's how you actually can make more impact. If I can manage a gym really well and make a good impact and lead the team of trainers there uh, and make a great impact, uh, for them to be better um, as coaches, then they're going to be able to deliver better, better um, experience to the members. And so, I totally, I totally agree with that notion that you know, B two B or like trying to get yourself um, uh, into more of a leadership position. That's how you can make more impact to a lot more people. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, where, where do you want to be in five years' time? Do you want to be influencing fifty, or do you want to be influencing fifty thousand? Mm. And again, if you want to be influencing the latter then start making the steps to make that happen. Absolutely. Now, Ross, this show is also about inspiring others to be at their best and we've done a pretty good job so far. Uh, but what do you do um, to keep yourself at your best? Do you, what do you do? What's your workout? Um, what's your day-to-day? Uh, -day? I try to work out every day. You know, that is, you know, the, there's certain things I like to do in my day. Again, there, I've learned them from many other people. So it's nothing that I do that is unique. It's nothing that I've done, done that's very clever. I'm copying and pasting many, many smart men and women from before me. And again, daily daily tasks and, and big and small tasks and completing small tasks every day. You know, having a list of things you need to do every day and, and tick them off. Those are achievements. And at the end of the day, you celebrate those. And whether that is making your bed or whether that is phoning 50 members of your gym, whatever that is, you have to set yourself tasks and the completion of those tasks allows you the positive momentum to, to move forward. Um, another one is working out. 
you know, for me, I have to work out every day. It doesn't have to be a high intensity workout. It, it can be a, a slow run. It can be a brief walk. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's not yoga or Pilates. It's not quite my thing. Um, when I used to do Muay Thai and mixed martial arts, I used to do various personal training sessions with that. And again, that release, that cathartic release of everything negative and stressful um, straight out in that one hour of a day, as well as making yourself, you know, physically on top of the game is crucially important for any business leader. Um, I think one of the skills that I've learned certainly more of in the past um, in the past six months or nine months through COVID is, is reading more than just your industry. And so I think when you're in this industry, there's a habit of reading every single thing you can about this industry. You read fitness magazines, you read health magazines. Uh, but the reality is, again, we just touched upon it. You, you have to take yourself away from some of that. You have to put yourself in autobiographies of other business leaders. You, you have to put yourself in self-development books. Sometimes you have to put yourself in books that are, are escapism just to try and clear your mind because, mm. you know, you, you cannot and should not be thinking about your business for 18 hours out of every single day. That is entirely, entirely unhelpful. Uh, and the last thing which I, I have no way in mastered yet is, is sleep. And so, you know, performance, uh, physical performance, mental performance, uh, the energy that you give your clients, the energy that you give your team emanates from your ability to have great sleep. And great sleep is a management process. It's a, it's a series of activities that you have to try and undertake. Now, I'm terrible at it, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and preach, um, but I'm going to be an advocate for, for better sleep management if you can get it. Absolutely. How about you? What, what are your thoughts? No, I absolutely agree. I mean, it comes down to habits and, and, and what you do every day. And it's very easy to fall into some bad habits that you don't even realize. Um, for me, my sleep hasn't really been that great lately. You know, I started, you know, playing around with, you know, a little bit of um, <clears throat> trading, investing um, online. Uh, I had a bit of that bit combination of day trading and so, so also some longer positions as well as, uh, you know, uh, uh, cryptocurrency. So <laughs> oh, what happens is... <laughs> oh my God, so, you know, um, the U.S. market opens and that's 11 p.m. here in, in Australia. So, you know, when I go to bed, you know, lie down next to my partner, you know, we might have a you know quick conversation or talk about something, how our day was, and then she goes to bed. But I, I hang around because I want to wait till 11 p.m. so I can check what's going to happen. So it is definitely a bad, uh, a bad habit. And, and to add to that, you know, the first thing I wake up, you know, wake up, you know, my wake up five, sometimes wake up 6 p.m. depending on the day, uh, a.m. depending on the day. And that's when the market closes. So for, what was the first thing I do? Of my phone and have a look at my positions again. So it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. But I'm working on um, changing a few things. Uh, but to comment on martial arts, because you mentioned martial arts, that is something that I took up this year. I made that. That was one of my big goals for 2020. I wanted to start martial arts and I have. Um, there was obviously a bit of break between COVID, but um, I started doing Japanese uh, jujitsu. So it's the, 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 the pre uh, what's the word? Pre, uh, pre, uh, Brazilian. Yeah. uh, bef before the actual Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, that's what yeah. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu come out of. And, uh, it's a lot of standing and throwing and flipping people over your back. Uh, but it's been, it's been amazing. Um, and we've got a local dojo here and it makes me, uh, uh very humble because every time you have to kneel down, you have to pay respect to the top of the front of the dojo, the founder of the martial art. And, and it's very much about respect, uh, being humble and learning the techniques. 
Um, so I've really enjoyed that process and I, I'm continuing to do so. Um, and I d highly recommend anybody um, to, to try and start doing martial arts because it's obviously great for your fitness, but you get much more out of that than regular, you know, going into gym, lifting weights. That's, for, that's what I've experienced for me anyway. 100%. Like, I mean, you know, we had a, well, I was part of an MMA gym for about two and a half years. Um, it's still going maybe four years strong now. Like, it's a phenomenal community. You know, whether you are, whether they are fighters, whether they are enthusiasts, whether they are beginners, there's a real sense of camaraderie in the whole mixed martial art community. None more so than Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, I can't comment on Jiu-Jitsu itself. Um, but as for BJJ, I mean, those guys are truly one of the most stickiest membership communities I've ever seen in my life. I mean, once they're in their gang and once they have their... Uh, black belt uh, instructor in, in place. I mean, they won't leave there. I mean, they will never leave there until they move house. Um, you know, by hell, or, by hell or high water, BJJ community is one of the most consistently uh, adhesive communities in the marketplace, especially for gym ownership. Um, very hard to develop as a gym, but once you've got it, it's incredibly, incredibly um, positive to have that in your community. So, I mean, if anyone's looking at martial arts, like I used to do Muay Thai, I think that's a great great martial art for technique across all uh, all of your limbs. I think if you're looking for community, there's none bigger than BGG. Mm. Now, speaking of Muay Thai, have you ever, have you, have you come across anybody trying to sort of um, a franchise the concept of Muay Thai? There hasn't been, well, there's, there's one floating around just now by a gentleman I know, maybe you know the same person um, based out of Africa. Um, hasn't quite yet been there. It's, it's a difficult one to, to orchestrate because I don't think, you know, Muay Thai hit is something that we've seen increasingly now in Asia for the past couple of years. So, you know, blending a, a Muay Thai workout in with a hit workout, it's very similar to what they're doing at nine round. It's very similar to what they're doing at 12 round. Yeah. It's just an extension onto that. But instead, you're doing Muay Thai exercises. The reality is, I think, that once you get into Muay Thai, you know, there's two things that you want to try and do. One is physical development. Um, and again, you can do that by any kind of Muay Thai workout. And the other one is um, skillful workout, sorry, skill, uh, skill development. And so whether, whether people are there for skill development or physical development, you really have to try and marry the two of those together. And this, I think, is where a Muay Thai franchise would be quite difficult to get because trying to mirror... Um, a skill set where there's no real grading structure towards Muay Thai. There's no mm. belts in Muay Thai, for example. I mean, you can become a crew uh, and a master crew down the line, um, but there's no real transition of um, skill level like karate, like taekwondo, uh, like jiu-jitsu. And so mm. as a result, you also don't see mums and dads putting their kids into these classes because there's no real measurable development that you can do. You can either get better at Muay Thai or you don't get better at Muay Thai. In Jiu-Jitsu, I get better, I become a, a, a blue belt, a brown belt, a black belt. And so there is a measurable difference in some of these Muay Thai, uh, some of these MMAs. Um, but personally, for Muay Thai, it is a phenomenal workout. I think the people are great. I think physically it gives you one of the best workouts in the world. I think from a self-defense perspective, it gives you some very smart tips on how to be how to defend yourself on a striking basis. 
Um, and so the skill sets is phenomenal. But again, if you really are wanting some level of community and some level of development that's measurable, such as mum and dads are, then BJJ would be the natural choice. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was interested on your opinion on that because I'm, you know, uh, getting involved with um, the, the contact we both know, um, but I'm not going to go into detail and leave that <laughs> big news for next yeah. year. But yeah, we're talking about um, a commercial franchise combining um, functional fitness, elements of functional fitness and Muay Thai, but not Muay Thai as of a, you know, a, to compete, but more of a fitness style Muay Thai where you learn and become more proficient how to properly kick and punch, but it's more of from a sense of from a you know from a regular mum and dad, uh, regular you know general public to go and release some frustration out of work, kick about a little bit kick properly, but it's more about a fitness aspect combining that with uh, elements of um, gamification and and um, and capturing some data, so understanding your performance through things like MyZone. So that, that's something I'm going to leave for another episode, but it's uh, something... <laughs> Look, there's, there is a formula to that. There is a formula to success for Muay Thai having a commercially franchisable product in the marketplace. Mm. And I hope that our common friend uh, strikes, it rich, uh, strikes it true, but at some point it will happen because, you know, if Floyd Mayweather can come out and potentially say that he's going to have 500 fighting gyms or 500 boxing gyms, in the next three or four years globally. Um, we just need somebody who is a relatively superstar to get behind a brand that's Muay Thai focused and try and push it out. Now, whether that might even be something quasi UFC or something like one championship, maybe it's not a person, maybe it is a, a fighting brand or a sports media agency. Um, somebody at some point will push out a very successful, very attractive, franchisable Muay Thai product. Certainly, uh, it's certainly great to be part of that process and um, a lot of new um, learning opportunities will come out of that for sure. Now, just to wrap up this, um, this, um, this chat that we're having, what do you wish you had known when you started your business, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could spend a book. Uh, I could spend a book on that. Uh, what do I wish that I'd known about? Um, I wish that I'd taken digital more seriously um, and developed our digital capabilities. Um, I think we came from, uh, I came from the events background, so it was quite easy to replicate that into the fitness world. Um, we had digital ideas, um, but they were not uh, thought about too much because in all honesty, the company was growing so quickly and so well had such a good reputation that we didn't see this coming, uh, that, you know, this, this being COVID. And so if I had to know something, I would invest more, I would invest earlier in digital capability. And also I would invest more in um, additional revenue streams outside event-based revenue streams. And so I think this is where a lot of companies now are going to be moving into this subscription recurring based revenue model where it's not dependent on one product. Your revenue comes from multiple products. And even someone like Apple, you know, drawing this, let's drop back to the conversation. You know, Apple is or was a hardware company. And now Apple has become a service company. And those services are now multiple. And so Apple has a huge number of multiple revenue streams coming. So for me, I think the ability to see additional revenue streams and to actually put some plans and investment behind those earlier would have meant that the last few months wouldn't have been so uncomfortable as what they've happened. Great answer. 
Now, <laughs> what would be uh, an advice that you'd like to give to somebody looking to, uh, to be more uh, successful in life? Um, more successful in life and more successful in business. I tackled the latter one first. More successful in business, talk to more business owners. You know, like the reality is that what you what you're going to be doing in the majority has been done before by many of other by many other people, um, to the benefit or to the destruction of of any capital they have invested into the marketplace. So, what you, when you're going to start a business? What is your value proposition? And once you know that, go out to the market and speak about what you're going to be doing and talk to other business owners that have done what you've done before or trying to do. Understand where they fell down, understand why you could be different and understand if there's common problems you should tackle just now. And so from a business perspective, I would do your research. And that sounds obvious, but I don't think people really do the research. And I think once you start digging into your research, especially of your competition, and especially of the, the marketplace that you're entering into, you start to find that the idea that you have might be already down the pipeline of 10 different companies that are 10 times the size of you. Mm. And again, you don't understand this until you start talking to the net, until you start talking to the industry you're going to be in. So network, yeah, communicate, jump on seminars. Don't think you know it all. Don't be so naive. Don't be so stupid. You know, I've had those problems in the past where I've had a good idea, kept it to myself, tried to punch through it and then realized that the idea wasn't really working. It was, it was an idea I thought would work personally. Um, so like have, have the humility to approach people and ask for their advice and help because mm. I would rather have that humility and have that advice given to me than potentially risk my reputation and hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment capital. Totally agree. And you might have, you know, a great idea thinking to yourself that it's, it's so good that you want to keep it a secret because you <laughs> worry too much that some people will steal it from you. But that's, that's quite often not the case. And even if it is, you know, nobody's going to do it the same way as you've got it in your head. Um, so get it out there. Talk to other people. Talk to other business owners. Get some feedback on that. And, and the other thing also, depending where you're at, your life journey, how old you are, but if you're somebody 18 year old and you haven't never worked for anybody and you just have an idea to start a business, good luck to you. Go for it. If you feel like you want to take all the risks, but I would probably recommend get yourself employed uh, for somebody that does a similar thing because you can learn so much by being an apprentice for somebody um, because you need to build some skills. You can't just go into business without any skill sets, right? You need to build at least some level of skill sets and experience. And then obviously not 100%, but at least some foundation so that when you do go on your own, you then you have some, you've got something to, 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 to build from, right? Yeah. And, and like the most, I mean, you know, we talk about the, the most successful companies in the marketplace. And, you know, we could, we could talk all day about Amazon and Google and Facebook and, Salesforce and we could talk every single tech company in the world and you know the reality is there's always a figurehead behind those and whether it's Elon Musk or whether it's Jeff Bezos and you look at these companies and think these are phenomenal entrepreneurs but the reality is you know the, the company that you really want to be part of and that you really want to grow with and be responsible for tends to have a group of people behind it and whether that's two three or four a group of co-founders that have a huge number of equal skill sets, skill sets that can quickly and easily 
move your vehicle from point A to point B is where the enjoyment is. You know, being a solo entrepreneur is a tough journey. You know, it's a really, really difficult, difficult place to be. I have full credit for anyone that takes that step, you know. But if you can find the right partners to take that step with, if you can find trusted friends or trusted individuals that you can take that step with, the journey is even better because you are learning and growing from each other as you do. You're adding infinitely, infinitely more value and exponential rate to your company. And if it fails, it fails fast. Absolutely. You know, and, and you've learned just as much as you would have done from starting it on your own and solo grafting for five years. So mm. find a team. Find a team that you can trust fast. Build it around them. Build it around you. Get them incentivized. Get them on a common purpose. And then that is where ultimately you, I think you as a leader grow. You grow and the company grows. And I think that's, you know, that's something we all want to be. I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure you, you have the same sentiments. Absolutely. And just to finish on that point, uh, which kind of takes us all the way back to the full circle from the start, which is the power of networking and building relationships. If you're new to business, if you never run a business, but you have a great idea, just do that networking, build some relationships, sell yourself. Um, and, you know, if people like you, and, you know, and want to help you, a quick practical tip then could be Tell them about your idea and ask them if they would be willing to be part of or, or be, be on we'll call a board of advisors. Because if you build a good relation with these people, a lot of times they might be people who've been in the business for years, but because they like you, they like your enthusiasm, enthusiasm and your energy, they might be quite likely to want to, to join this board of advisors and then support you with your decisions and give you, give you, you know, point you in the right direction and you're going to save yourself so much time and effort by having some guidance for sure. Now, Ross, this has been an amazing interview. Let's wrap it up. Fit Summit is an amazing event for anybody listening, especially people in the health, fitness, and wellness industry. I highly recommend it. And while it's Asia Pacific, I, I think it's it should really just be rewarded. It's a global thing. I think it's it's applicable to anybody in the industry from anywhere around the world. Um, you should definitely participate in one of these events one thing that I haven't, uh, we haven't um, uh, explained is is the networking aspect, which is incredible. When you do this event, you basically have uh, it's like a speed dating where you put your details in, and every two minutes it'll kick you into a new room with somebody else. Um, it's incredible. So um, there's a next uh, Fit Summit um, all the time. I'm not going to mention the dates because this episode will probably be released in who knows what. So we're going to keep it evergreen. Uh, but Ross is doing an amazing job with, with running this, this, this online event as well as um, uh, in-person event most of the time in, uh, in Singapore and Thailand. Um, so make sure you check out Fit Summit website. Um, now we're going to put a, a special promo code for everybody where you're going to get, I want to make sure I say it right, 25% off. All right, so you guys are going to get 25% off to attend um, the, the Fit Summit events um, by using the promo code Success Inspired. So just check it out on the show notes. I highly recommend it. It's great for networking and it's great for learning. There's some really big, uh, big sharks of the industry, CEOs of some of the biggest brands speaking, presenting. You can learn so much from these people and, and network and build relationships and grow. So 
on that note, Ross, once again, thank you so much for being on the show. I was very much looking forward to this conversation and it was, it was, a, it was a really good one. Um, I really enjoyed it and I look forward to hopefully catch up with you again, uh, maybe expand on some more industry chat. Sure. Look, and again, thanks for the opportunity, Vit. And everyone at home, I know these are challenging times. Um, it's going to be a phenomenal industry. It's always, it already is a phenomenal industry. Um, but in the years to come, this will be uh, a truly an amazing industry to come, fulfilling, rewarding, spiritually, mentally, financially. Stick in, stick with us. Let's build this together and let's make sure we have more happier, healthier people across this planet. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much.